0: Hi everyone, this is Charting Queer Health, a podcast at the intersection of queer culture, healthcare, and research. On behalf of Howard Brown Health in Chicago, I'm your host, Matt. I'm a cis white gay man in a recent transplant to Chicago, and I have the incredible opportunity to sit down with various experts across our organization and across our community to learn from their expertise, amplify their stories and voices, and advance the conversation surrounding queer healthcare. Joining us today is Dr. Brandy Jackson. Brandy, thank you for coming. Would you mind introducing yourself, um, your role here at Howard Brown and your pronouns?
1: Sure. My name is Dr. Brandy Jackson. I use she, her pronouns. I am a psychiatry doctor and the chief behavioral health officer here at Howard Brown Health.
0: Chief behavioral health. So for people that aren't in the healthcare field, that is what in layman's terms?
1: That is all the teams that have to do with mental health and mental wellness and then with the social services uh teams are also uh under under me
0: gotcha okay so everything kind of uh less tangible than you know the the physical body that we yeah. might think of when we think of medicine um that's that's a perfect role for you uh mm-hmm. because today i brought you in to talk about the COVID 19 pandemic uh more specifically its effects on our mental emotional health things like that um this is sort of a two-part series we had dr Maya green in yesterday to kind of talk about the logistics of the pandemic, if we see an end to it, all that kind of fun stuff. Today, I want to kind of uh, zoom out, so to speak, and focus a little bit on the lingering impacts that it's had on all of our mental health. Because, I mean, everybody can feel it. It's sort of a a topic that we've been um, talked at from all sides, from work, from friends, from Facebook, from the news cycle, from everything. So, (laughs) I kind of just want to uh, look inwards a little bit today and kind of give our listeners some uh, practical uh, encouragement and advice on kind of how to cope with these unprecedented times. So kind of specific to your your role here at Howard Brown, do you think the pandemic has affected the demand for behavioral health services within the, within the city?
1: Absolutely. Here in Chicago, you know, I've done all of my medical training in Chicago. I've had the privilege of working at a number of institutions in the city, medical institutions, I have never seen anything like this before. Um, I speak to colleagues in the field, in the mental health field. None of us have seen anything like this before. And uh, it's, it's. I think what makes this time, this wave of mental health need so interesting and challenging is that we also, uh, people in the mental health field, are affected by the very thing we're trying to help people through. So it's been interesting.
0: Yeah, it's it's unique in that like if you put it into like a a physical illness you never ask doctors to treat somebody for a brain tumor if they themselves are experiencing brain tumor uh and i know you know mental health isn't doesn't function the same way logistically but it is worth thinking about like how are we asking our medical health professionals to treat people for the very same things that they might be struggling with
1: so true you'd be surprised how analogous it really is in much, like what it, to take that analogy of a doctor with a brain tumor treating someone with the same brain tumor. In my mind, if that doctor had overcome it and come out the other side stronger, they would potentially be in, and probably be in the best position to help that person through the same thing. What we have though is, you know, once again, mental health professionals being human, we're also at different places of processing and really healing through the trauma of the pandemic. And so I can absolutely say that at times it's even triggering to treat people, knowing that the very things they're describing are things you're feeling as well. Um, So it's, it's, for me, it's caused me to go much deeper in my own healing journey, my own development. And it's so that I can hopefully, you know, be in a position to continue helping people at the highest level.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense when you think about like, it's kind of a double-edged sword in that. Um, it it unifies patient and provider in a way, but it it also can be a little bit um, debilitative when it comes to actually treating it. So
1: That is such an interesting perspective, and I like what you said, how it it humanizes both patient and provider. Mm -hmm. It's strange, but I think that that's actually totally what our healthcare system needs. I mean, our healthcare system needs needs a lot of things, but Mm -hmm. one of them is just for, I think, providers of healthcare to show their humanity to the people that they're healing. We sort of, and by we, I mean healthcare providers. Some of us have this idea that we have to have this veneer of perfection, that we have to have all the answers all the time. And I know I feel like I became a better healer when I let go of that and started to share with patients, not in a way that takes up too much space in the room, but taking opportunities to say, I'm also afraid of that happening. Uh, How are you dealing with it? And just kind of showing that, Everyone's afraid. Yeah. Everyone's confused. That little bit of solidarity <laughs> yeah. goes a long way. Yeah,
0: I think it's interesting to think about how that could impact our relationships even outside of a healthcare setting. Mm. Um, because I think more and more companies and um, similar institutions are kind of realizing the importance of mental healthcare, even on a bottom line. So um, I think, yeah, it's an interesting point that you make that like um, it's kind of revolutionizing... Uh, maybe not revolutionizing, but changing for the better the way that we relate to relate to our patients, and hopefully that that kind of will kind of ripple out to other industries. Part of part of the lens of what the way I wanted to look at this episode was that um, we are uh, a little bit into a new year now, and there is all this um, just weariness in general going into the third year, uh, mm-hmm. and we brought up the Great Resignation and and all of those things when it comes to um, kind of looking I won't use the word resolutions because that seems a little bit like trivial but mm-hmm. when it comes to looking forward to the new year how can we how can we kind of uh push ourselves in a way that is also really respecting uh what's happening in the world so that we don't get down on ourselves because I know for me I can be like yeah I want to work out every day but that's not feasible uh and so you have to I don't know I, <laughs> this is a long tangent but I saw this uh meme or something online that was like you know mm. smart goals which are like yeah. specific measurable someone's Love like those. i don't they're like great in a business setting but for new year's i don't want smart goals i want fun goals no. like yeah. ugh, totally. i forget what it says they were like uh unmeasurable numberless and fun loving it's just like oh it doesn't God. matter what yes. they are i just am setting some fun goals for myself Love like, that. i don't yeah, know I so to sum that about. all up How how can we kind of take that energy with us into this year of 2022
1: i really believe you know as we or in year three, going to year three of this pandemic, what I see lacking most for us as a people is joy. I, there's very few places to look, and really, genuinely find joy being like sent to you. Whether when you turn on the TV, not a ton of joy. You know, walking down the street. Just for many of us at work, it's pretty stressful now. Depending because all sectors have been affected, so. Generating joy in your own day is like to me a great virtue. And when it comes to like setting goals for yourself, I think being really kind with yourself. And I love micro goals, like tiny goals. Like, because what is tiny really? I'm calling it tiny because most people would say, well, that doesn't take a ton of effort to, I don't know, get out of bed in the morning, to take a shower every single day. But I take care of people and I, I know that for many, many of us, that is actually a huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. So it's this, I think, a moment of great opportunity for self-compassion that we've never had before. And frankly, um, for those of us who have a hard time developing that self-compassion, it's going to get rough. It, it's already rough, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I, hope, I hope we can give ourselves permission to find joy in the small things, to, to celebrate small wins, and know that actually they're quite big wins at a time when joy is hard to come by.
0: I I love that as someone who falls victim to the like hustle mentality yeah. so Same. often, yeah. and and the tendency our society has to kind of place importance on like tangible like numbers of results oh, and yeah. things. Um, sometimes it's, oftentimes it's more important to. Yeah. I look for those little pockets of joy within oh, our life and just be like, I, yeah. you know what? I may not have hit that benchmark at work, mm-hmm. but I cooked this meal that I had never done it before. Was. And I'm really proud of it. And that it means the most to me today.
1: You know, that really resonates with me. And I, for some reason, I've been like, my mind's been going back to my medical training pretty often lately, which it doesn't often do. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty grueling process to become a doctor in, in America and, let's just say there's a shortage of praise mm-hmm. <laughs> along the way. And I learned, I'm lucky to have learned years ago, not to define my happiness, my goals, by what someone else tells me. Of course, at work, we better have that luxury. But I think as much as we can remind ourselves that our worth is, has nothing to do with numbers or even productivity, as it's traditionally called, oh. Yeah. that actually just by existing we are we are worthy of of goodness you know there's nothing that we have to do
0: yeah that's it's it's so easy to verbalize the things right now oh, in this yeah. podcast but totally. it's so, I'm, easy. I'm thinking like when i go home like how do i implement that mm. it's it's definitely a challenge yeah zooming out or back, I guess, because this is charting queer health. How do you think that this uh, pandemic has impacted the queer community?
1: You know, I think as a as someone who only recently kind of came out, and myself as a member of the queer community, I by no means am an expert, but I do have the privilege of being around you know the queer community quite often and hearing from a lot of folks and learning from the ways that they are coping i think you know it's no secret that in this country the queer community has endured uh hardship and it's not like it's the it's not like it's the oppression olympics we don't need to compare but in fact of course the queer community has been hit super hard um, by everything that's happening because they were already at higher risk for poverty and violence and all these other kinds of you know, terrible things that are a result of a mitigated bias in our country. But what I think, in, what inspires me most um, is the history that the queer community has of advocating for itself and in creating its own community, even within a community that may not be accepting of it, of, of its members. And I, I see that in spades. Um, I see it as a warm community. And I, I dare say that uh, for many of us, you find family outside perhaps your biological family and that those can be such beautiful and wonderful supports. Like I, I have a friend that, you know, a couple of friends that I don't have kids myself, but I'm like babysitting and doing things and it's just a privilege to do, you know. And then there's of course, though many, many folks in the queer community who don't have that right now, who who have lost the social connections that they had, who may have lost their financial kind of stability. And so, you know, I think the work that we do at Howard Brown Health and trying to make sure that the resources are available regardless of someone's ability to pay are super important. Um, so it's I hope folks know that it's there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough period, I think, for the queer community.
0: Yeah, I mean... I've certainly felt it I know a lot of other people have as well. Yeah. Um, and, and the tricky part with mental health is uh, seeking help is almost half the battle. What is, what does that look like at Howard Brown for somebody that may be struggling and all, you know so far all they've done is maybe met with a primary care provider mm. or even even not even that they have a, a phone number on a piece of paper. Mm. What, what would the process of um, getting care through us look like?
1: I would say, and maybe this is a little woo woo for some folks for bear with me, but I think that we all have the ability to detect, um, authenticity, to detect true love emanating from another person, whether, I mean, and I don't necessarily mean romantic love. I mean, does this person have a love for people? Does mm-hmm. this person seem to have, um, a warmth about them, a care? Do they pay attention to me? Do they make me, do they help me feel seen? Um, and that person may not necessarily be a doctor or a therapist. It could be a, a church leader. It could be a dear friend. It could be a parent figure. It could be literally anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think the first step is to be open to those individuals and and to be open to help in a way that you may not have been picturing. It takes an incredible amount of vulnerability to speak on the parts of you that you don't think are cute (laughs) that are not pretty (laughs) that are not pretty um but if you pick the right folks and you won't always but if you find those folks lean into them um and you know there is no way to kind of get the result of you know for your mental health without some vulnerability on your part um and it can start slow i think any this is sort of like the resolution question like Mm -hmm. the smallest step is often the biggest the first few timid moves towards help can feel the most awkward and the most like you're really putting yourself out there like oh my gosh what the heck and then I've just from being a therapist and watching people go through this journey very often they often look back on those timid moments and say I have no idea why I was afraid because that was actually opening up and breaking open was the beginning of my healing but you don't know that too you you don't oh, know absolutely. that till it's too late <laughs> yeah
0: i know i was like nodding so hard during yeah, that because yeah. um i mean i've struggled with with depression in my past and i'm also very open um yeah. i'll tell a stranger on the street corner about my trauma <laughs> like I'm, i always come out the other side having like the other person be like oh my gosh i was going through the same thing like thank you for bringing that up that's so true nobody ever talks about that that kind of mm-hmm. thing and i think it's it's worth noting that like especially within the queer community in the past we've always been able to overcome our challenges better as a whole together when we reach yes. out to one another. Yes. And yeah. mental health is always so hard because it makes you feel so isolated. Yes. So I, I think you said that's a great first step is uh, even if it's, you know, your your partner, a loved one, somebody at work, whatever, to just kind of extend a hand and just be like, this is what I'm going through. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's the first step, the best step towards, towards self-care when it comes to mental health.
1: It really is, it really is. And like, okay, if I could like sum up all of my years of training and study <laughs> of human development and all the years I spent in patient psych units and all these in the community, all this stuff, it really just boils down to kind of this one fundamental truth, which is that we are literally all human. And it's so interesting, the shells we put up between ourselves and others to try to let people know we're not imperfect and scared. And it's really interesting to Having joined healthcare administration, so I started. Um, I was an assistant professor. I was teaching health equity. I was doing some things at a um, at a university, uh, teaching a teaching hospital. Before I came to Howard Brown, and I loved it, and I love seeing my patients. And then I became like a chief executive, and it's like so interesting to see that no matter what level kind of you're practicing, um, these are human beings across. That, that are there and if only we could tell the truth about that to each other we'd find we're really all dealing with a lot of the same stuff yeah and I think it would be less scary and I think we'd be less
0: isolated yeah that makes perfect sense I think something I struggle with when it comes to mm-hmm. mental health is sometimes setting boundaries I'm such a people pleaser that like if somebody asks something of me or like wants me to do something for them it's like sure Uh, and that's something I've been trying with recently what advice would you give to somebody that has a similar issue or or maybe even just strictly in a business sense like they're at work and it's hard for them to either advocate for you know mental health measures like mental health Mm -hmm. days or whatever it Mm -hmm. is what advice would you give to them to kind of uh, advocate for the self and draw boundaries and kind of be more self-efficient (laughs) Vacations. Uh, a- aph- aphagous? <laughs> is, <laughs> is that a word? Is it? Is
1: it? <laughs> I go. I know what you mean. You get the point. Yeah. <laughs> I buy it. I buy it. I buy it. As someone who has struggled for the better part of her adult life with boundaries, I'm like total people pleaser. Totally want people to be happy. You know, don't like conflict. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. But conflict in, is a part of life. So, what I found is that the times that like what made what turned the corner for me when it comes to setting boundaries with anyone is actually turning inwards and 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 giving more power to my own intuition. Like actually because when you're letting someone kind of cross a boundary without any consequences, what you're really doing is devaluing your own comfort relative to someone else's, rather relative to your bosses or relative yeah. to your friends or whoever is crossing the boundary or a stranger. And that's a consequence of, you know, not having yet learned to put yourself first, always, and protect yourself first. Um, I think our body tells us when something isn't right before our mind does. Like, we get that feeling of something like, oh. Sometimes it's rage, like, sometimes it's annoyance, like, oh, my God, why are they asking this again? When you feel those feelings, I think as much as you can get in the habit of doing something about it even if in the beginning you you don't actually hold a boundary but you just say to yourself you know i really didn't want to do that and start paying attention to it is like the first step but eventually you get relentless about your own peace and yeah. then, you know for me i had to go off the deep end off the edge of having no peace in my life for a lot of reasons <laughs> no peace in my life to finally say you know what <laughs> my peace is the only thing that matters
0: I've, I've had enough
1: yeah i've had enough my peace is the only thing that matters and that doesn't mean taking anything away from anybody else, but simply saying that's not something I'm able to do.
0: Have you seen Encanto, the Disney movie?
1: Not yet. Only the little, only the trailers. It looks so yeah. cute.
0: Okay. Well, I won't spoil it, <laughs> but there's basically it's this like magical family, and every sibling has this, like a, a gift, is what the way that they refer to it. And one it. sister's is super strength, but it's kind of uh, a metaphor for like she has a song um, called Surface Pressure, and it's like I am always the strong one. I'm the Mm. eldest sister. I need, I like, I'm the lyric literally is I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. Uh, and that song has, uh, Encanto has now surpassed Frozen as Disney's most popular Um. animated musical for, I think a lot of reasons because, um, that's just one sister and all the siblings Mm. have their own battles that they're facing. Um, but that song in particular is like, especially what we talked about here of like, Putting up boundaries, putting yourself mm. first, finding the little joys in your life. Because mm. she's like, "But wait, if I could shake the crushing weight of expectations, would that free some room up for joy or relaxation or simple pleasure? Instead, we measure this growing pressure, keeps growing because all we know is goes in the back head it, wow. But it's like that's just so timely uh, because, nice. <laughs> and I also like uh, I also partly asked you that question so I can just get some free therapy. Here <laughs> right? That's take Definitely it, take me. It. But um, <laughs> I just I just for. think it's so. I don't know if it's I – th- I think mm-hmm. in some ways the pandemic has kind of ripped the band-aid off okay. that uh, that uh, tendency that our society has to, like, place those expectations on us and, like, push ourselves and all those things. After this pandemic ends, possibly, we'll see. Who knows? Uh, what what – what do you think will look different, and uh, if that difference is something we don't like, what steps do you think we can take to kind of heal ourselves as a society? Mm-hmm. I mean, we we've talked about a little bit about like the finding joy and stuff, but when it comes to like how we communicate and how we relate to one another, uh, what do we what do we see for that going forward?
1: In in therapy, so if we were in the therapy office, yeah. I would be talking about a breakthrough. Mm. And I think we're, this is actually a breakthrough moment for us, actually at a humanity scale. To me, a breakthrough is when something happens internal or external in your mind or in the environment that does not allow you to go back to the way things were. And that's what this pandemic was. So much pain, so much suffering, so much death, so much of our society exposed for what it has always been in a way that no one can deny. I, and maybe this is the part of me that has spent too many hours on psychiatric units. (laughs) I live for these moments and I don't mean to belittle any pain at all. I don't, but I don't, I don't think we would have changed on our own accord without some sort of like massive third party thing happening. I mean like, not our own volition. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this was that. I mean, the world literally stood still, so we created space to look at ourselves for the first time. And to, to the point we were talking earlier about, is uh, what's the movie called? Encanto. Encanto. We yeah. were talking earlier. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But, you know, just about this idea of, of being productive and, and doing as a way of showing your value. I hope that never comes back. I hope it is dead 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 never comes back I you know I'm I tend to be quite for the people so when I you know as I watched the great resignation and I realized this is people voting with their feet I hope you know capitalism as we know it is literally over in this country Um, and I mean racialized capitalism capitalism that makes money on the backs of 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 you know Working people with with no regard to their well being. I hope it's dead and gone. Um, I also hope it's the end, and I and all these are hopes. And I actually think it's true. I've been called an optimist, but I think no more pretending that we're all perfectly well. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're broken. Um, we're grieving. We're traumatized. We're sad. And um, yet and still within all of that have so much to offer to ourselves and so much to offer to this world and this earth that we're that we're living on.
0: Yeah, something that just kind of crossed my mind is that when it comes to other health issues, it's really easy to see how they impact different communities when it comes to um, like socioeconomic status or access to care or, or whatever it may be. Um, but somehow mental health always seems so personal and you don't mm-hmm. ever think of it as like a community or systemic issue. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that person's dealing with that alone. What, besides the queer community, like what are the communities most in need of uh, behavioral health services? Mm-hmm. Um, you can use Chicago as an example or just on mm-hmm. the whole of like, you know, who, who do we traditionally not think of as being underserved when it comes to this?
1: Ooh. you know low-hanging fruit and obvious hopefully yeah. is especially in Chicago I'm a black woman so um see just so much pain in my community um, you know the way the pandemic hit and then you know George Floyd and all the all the murdering mm. of black bodies by the state really um it's traumatizing there's no other words for it, it still is so I, I obviously see a lot of need for that kind of just racial, like just reverence for the pain of, of black people. That being said, um, we have a lot of pockets of oppression in this country that we hit. Ha- we just are only now beginning to scratch the surface of. I think about indigenous Americans. I think about uh, you know so many groups of people whose stories were buried under the veneer of American greatness mm. and. I believe America is great in a lot of ways. I also believe that if if you believe something is great, interrogate it and make it live up that. to its greatness. So I'm one of those people that has a lot to say about the places that we need to grow.
0: That's such a I just need to pause a second. I love that sentiment because a lot of struggles I've had when it comes to like critiquing <laughs> our country, mm-hmm. not to go on a tangent when it comes mm-hmm, with like mm-hmm. the older generation is like that's unpatriotic, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like I do believe America is great in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but I also can't believe that blindly. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to hold us to standards and push us to yes. be better. And so that's just a great way to phrase that. Of love like if, that. You love, if you believe something is great, then interrogate it. Anyways.
1: You should. And the inside <laughs> has to match the outside. Yes. Like, it just can't be words. I actually think it's an uncomfortable space. I think most people are good. I think most people are also uh, holding oppressive, anti, you know, uh, oppressive and biased beliefs, whether they want to or not, because we are, and myself included, because we are literally, our minds are attacked from the, before we are born, really, um, to hold biases and things like that. So the real kind of controversial thing is not to say that we are biased, but to say, uh, but to to actually not do it, not say it, to Mm. not admit it, and think that it means we're just okay. It was like, no. We have to face. We have to face the ugly parts of ourselves. Again, therapists, this is predictable. I hope that day of reckoning, I actually believe it's here because the people have demanded it.
0: Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) Finally. Um, When it comes to actually getting care, I know for me, before I moved here, I was like, I need a counselor or a therapist or something. I think everybody needs one. But uh, I approached my primary care doctor at the time back where I was living and they were like, it's going to be like a four month wait to get in and see somebody maybe try online. Um, and so I've been seeing an online counselor through BetterHelp, which has Mm -hmm. been great, but that's not always available to people. Um, Mm -hmm. what sort of practical, like everyday things can people do if they aren't able to get in and see counseling, um, what are some, some just bare minimum things we can do, um, to try to enhance our mental health? I know we kind of touched yeah. on this before. I might be, like, oh,
1: no. I, no, I love this. I love, I'm all for like free mental health care mm-hmm. in all ways. And think about it. I think we're, I, we're trained to believe that mental health care happens in a room with know, some, somebody sitting there staring at us or, you know, The reality is therapy for some people is running outside. Therapy Mm. for some people is, you know, tending to their plants or babysitting their little niece who's super cute. I have a super cute two year old niece. So first and foremost, looking at kind of like the array of activities that you're already doing that to feel good and doing more of those, you know, barring things that would be damaging long-term to your physical body. uh, I wouldn't recommend those, Mm -hmm. but there's a whole array that we don't think about as part of our, that are like mental health and they are. So first of all, expand your definition, not you personally, but I like we yeah. should all expand our definition of what it means to be doing a mental health, a pro mental health activity. Um, have any kind of fun as pro mental health. Yay. Like the other thing is one of the things I do is go on YouTube and I find channels where I mean there's this, therapists are out here doing amazing work on youtube it's Mm -hmm. just crazy how it's blown up since the pandemic one of the easiest things to search for people who are looking for to basically be handed what to do is guided meditations Mm -hmm. if people haven't heard of guided meditations you can go on youtube type guided meditation you could just write that or guided meditation for anxiety or and it's literally a voice with these like these sounds, these relaxing sounds saying, close your eyes, take deep breaths. And you just have to listen and do what you're being asked to do in the video. And I, it's actually so approachable. You don't even have to know about meditation. And you feel relaxed, hopefully, at the end. Um, it's everything from those kinds of breathing exercises online to, you know, I would say, making sure to try to find someone with the licensed license professionals yeah, explaining what anxiety is, what depression is. It's all out there. And we, as, you know, mental health professionals, we do as much as we can, but the wait lists and everything are are just insurmountable in some Mm -hmm. places. So take your initiative, do, do, you know, take your fingers, do it and find what resonates for you in the online community. I'm a big fan of it.
0: Yeah. That's that's brilliant advice because yeah, truly, I wouldn't have ever thought to go to YouTube. It's oh, like yeah. Google depression. Like, literally. It, granted, Dr. Google can be misleading in some cases, but <laughs> yeah. uh, when it comes to just simple steps like slowing down, yeah. meditating, getting in touch with your breathing, I think that's a brilliant idea. And yeah. I, I, I think it's especially true for, like, the little hobbies that lift you up. I know, like, I love singing. I'm, like, a Broadway Yay! nerd. Uh, but since moving to the city, I live in a studio apartment. And so I, I'm i not going to, like, belt my high v flats because my neighbors, I think, would hate me. So um, I, like, sometimes I just go down and sit in my car and sing just because that just, like, brings me joy. Yes. Or, like, I, like, take advantage of karaoke nights and things oh, because... Yes. Just little stuff like that. Like, you don't yeah. you don't realize what uh, a role it plays in your life until you don't have it anymore. Yes. Um, so I've been, you know, kind of looking for opportunities to do that and, like, gardening and I things. I love it. So I, I think, yeah, I think that's an excellent point, that, like, little things like that just go so such cute. a long way. It's so um, I think this is a topic we could talk about forever, uh, but we've already had so much great info. <laughs> is there... Anything that I didn't touch on or that uh, you think needs to be brought up to kind of impart to our listeners as it pertains to mental health and the pandemic?
1: I would say no matter what, know you're not alone. In whatever feelings you're having, however much you feel like you're not enough, you are enough just by virtue of being. Ask for help. Ask for help, whether it's in words, text. Send a picture, reach out to another soul who you feel would receive you in a kind and loving way, but make that reach out.
0: I think that's excellent advice. Brandy, thank you so much for yeah. coming. We'll have to have you back. Uh, oh, I love it. For sure. Love
1: to chat. Awesome. Thank <laughs> Thanks, you. Man.
0: And that has been our episode on the COVID-19 pandemic and its mental, psychological, emotional side effects with Dr. Brandy Jackson. If you need more information about how Howard Brown has responded to the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit www.howardbrown.org. Thanks for listening.